So if you extend your hands to them and just bless them. Father God, we thank you for Ben and Sarah. Lord, we thank you for all the gifts that they bring to us, the way that they bless us, Lord, week after week. We thank you, Lord, for the love that they have shown each other and the love that they show us. And we ask, Lord, that you would, that you would just fill them with an anointing today, that everything that they say would be directly from you, that the words that they speak, Lord, would go out to each one of us and touch us in our hearts and perform in us what you would have them perform. Lord, we thank you that your word is powerful. And we ask, Lord, that in this anointing that you give them, you also anoint us. In Jesus' name, amen. both work they both work honey that's good right yeah. you got a really big vinyl that's good okay all right well thanks so much for the prayers bob um we're so happy to be able to be here today to talk to you about the subject of love as it relates to the context of marriage and um some of you guys right now are not married a lot of you are not you're young adults looking towards that others of you are married and we're so happy to be able to address all of you on this topic we hope to be able to make this to see this become kind of almost like a, a, a message that becomes like a resource to people who are thinking about marriage or in marriage I want to say up front um, referencing something that Bob talked about at the beginning of the series he cited that there were four kinds of love that are talked about in the original Greek does anybody remember what they are okay <laughs> I'm hearing somebody say it. Agape was one of them. <laughs> Phileo was another. Eros, Storgate, right, right. See, the trick here is, is that in the English language, we can say, I love, I love uh, Michael Jackson. I love my friend. I love God, and I love my wife. And, and those are all the same word, but in the original Greek language, they're not. If we're saying that we love Michael Jackson, we're talking about the storge kind of love. That's the kind of awe that we have and respect that we have towards people, and that's a type of love according to the Greeks. And then, of course, there's phileo, which is brotherly love. We all know that. There's also agape love, how we love God, the love that he has shown to us. We show it back to God. That's a wonderful type of love, the most important kind there is. And, of course, there's eros, which is, comes from the word uh, erotic. Or actually, our word erotic comes from that, to say it more properly. And that's talking about romantic love. Now, that's not going to be the kind of love that we're going to be talking about primarily here today. We're not going to be talking about eros love, although that applies to marriage. We're going to be talking about agape love, which is showing couples, godly couples, showing one another the love of God in marriage. And I uh, just thought I'd read a verse to you up front. This is found in Psalm 127 in your Bibles, the first verse. Um, you can look along with us if you like. Um, it says there, the psalmist writes, except the Lord build the house. Some of you know it. Except the Lord build the house. What does it say? They that labor, labor in vain. So we know that God wants to build us a house. And if you look to the third verse of that psalm, you'll see another thing that is said, another thing that is spoken. It says, lo, children are a heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward to us. 
It's his reward to us to give his children. God is looking for godly offspring to arise out of godly marriages. He wants us to have children. Sarah and I just had the privilege of having our first child. Wasn't that fun? 18 hours of labor. My wife did so good. She's so beautiful. She still looks beautiful. She looks more beautiful all the time. So we're discovering... We're discovering how fun it is that the Lord is building the house. But then look over here what it says in the second verse. He gives sleep to his beloved. That's a very hopeful promise to us now as well. You wonder if the biblical writer meant it that way. He'll give sleep to you even though you have children because you'll be getting up a lot. <laughs> so, but, um, but in all seriousness, we do want to, it's, it's a funny way to start, but we do want to talk about our testimony a little bit. So I'll just let my wife jump in here and start the. Well, funnily enough, Paul, um, I was coming to Communitas, and he randomly spouts out prayer requests, and I had saw Ben, and I really liked his blue eyes. They are just stunning, and um, Paul had asked me to pray for him because I guess Ben had lost his voice, and so I had a prayer burden for him. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, he was That's in That's spiritual language. Yeah, but then I found out he was in another relationship at the time, and so then I let that go, but then years later, he began to pursue... Um, yes, right yes. back over there. In the corner. Yeah, yeah. We were right back over here. Communitas was going on. I saw her sitting on a piano bench, and I sat down next to her. And I said, hey, how you doing? And I uh, began to get to know her a little bit. And uh, it wasn't a l actually a little bit. It wasn't a small conversation. We sat there for two hours. Hello. My brother timed it because we were carpooling together. <laughs> so Dave is waiting for Sarah to <laughs> kind of end the conversation so that they, they can go home. But he sees that something is going on. And Dave, in his kindness to me, allowed the conversation to play its course. Yep. So, yeah. Everybody can clap for Dave, the hero of the story. <laughs> but Jesus is the hero of the story, really. Why don't you continue, honey? So we were sitting in the back, and um, I just have really high convictions with relationships. And he asked me out on a date, and at first I said, okay, because I was in the middle of doing student teaching, and he was going to be doing a lot of stuff. So I just thought, nope, no, I'm not going to date you maybe maybe in a couple months and then my girlfriend at, at the time she said okay how about you go on one date with him and you'll thank me later and so then I did Hopefully. at the Olive Garden in Roseville yeah yeah and so we sat down together I just told her right up front I said I, I like you and I just I just was very upfront with with where I was taking things right from the get-go Guys, actually, that's a good move. Actually, I asked, do you have a crush on me? Because he, and he said, yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I actually, yes. You asked the question. That's right. She's correcting me. He was honest, though. Yeah, uh-huh. I made, I made my, my intentions clear. Thank you. So, yes, so that's, that's a little bit of our story. We got, we got married probably about a year after that. Actually, exactly. exactly one year. That's right. Exactly one year after that. Now we know. The, the anniversary of our first date forever because uh, um, it also happens to be my younger brother's birthday. That's right. So her younger brother shared our first date together and our marriage because we got married exactly one year later from our first date so that we would remember. And of course, we got uh, we got engaged on Valentine's Day. So everything lines up and then real Aaron neatly for us. And was born around Valentine's Day, too. And so. then Aaron was born February 12th. That was a good gift, too. So now we've been married for about five years. Isn't that been wonderful, honey? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we, like I said, we have our son now. 
It's just so wonderful. Marriage is God's gift to us. I want to start out really just making that point very clear. This is a gift. The fact that we get to experience love one to another in such an amazing and sanctifying way, it is a tremendous gift to us. It's something that we want, really want to esteem highly. You know, the marriage bed should be held in honor, as it says in the scriptures. We are to reverence this. This is a joyous and a sober commitment that we step into. And so we really want to make that very clear up front. Could you please turn with us in your Bibles as we do this to Genesis chapter 1? And uh, we're going to look at what God's idea for marriage is from the beginning. Everybody say, from the beginning. From the beginning. That's right. This is Genesis, the first chapter, the 27th verse. In it, the sacred writer says, and we think it's Moses. Probably is. Verse 27, it says, So God created man in his own image. image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So there's something about marriage. We are meant to bear the image of God in the way that we love one another. We are a picture that is supposed to be shown to all of creation, showing what the nature and the character of God is like. Then look what it says in the 28th verse here. It says, And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. Replenish the earth. In the King James, it just says uh, replenish the earth, but uh, it's actually closer to subdue the earth or fill the earth there. But notice the commandment right up front. The commandment right up front is not go build a big ministry, right? it's, It's not go start a business. It isn't necessarily even to go work the ground to subdue it. The very first commandment, even before that, is what? Be fruitful and multiply. Have a relationship. And this sets up a precedent for us. Every single one of us that's going, that's either in a relationship right now, in a married relationship, or is moving towards one, or you're waiting for one to come about, okay, you have to understand that there is a ministry that God has planned for you for that marriage. But with that said, that does not take precedent over the actual relationship itself. The relationship itself is far more important than the ministry, and it's actually, in truth, the foundation mm-hmm. of the ministry. It's, it's, it is a foundation that we need to understand and appreciate if we're going to get things right. So that's one of the things that we see up front. Second thing that we see, and this has really got to be said, because in our cultural context, we're really losing sight of this as a culture. You've probably noticed this. The way that, the, that God defines marriage is between one man and one woman. It doesn't matter what some clown in Washington, D.C. is trying to tell us, okay? It'll never be Bob and Joe can get married and have a marriage according to God's standard. That's not a marriage. A marriage is one man and it is one woman. It's always going to be that because that was God's intention from the beginning, and he's always perfect when he does things from the first time. So with that said, um, Sarah's got some scripture that'll just talk about the path that we begin to walk on in this marriage relationship. Why don't you go ahead, honey? Mm -hmm. Well, one of the things that as I was praying, I felt kind of two things. Um, one is that it's a journey. <laughs> marriage is not just a, an easy thing that comes <laughs> right away. It's a journey, um, and we've definitely found that. And yes. so I was going to read Proverbs 4, the very end where it says, um, verse 25, so 425. Let your eyes look directly ahead, and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you. Watch the path of your feet and all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or the left. 
turn your foot from evil and just how often in marriage you just you have a direction that you're going and it might not be perfect you might stumble a little but it's still you're going on that pathway together um, and Ben had a verse in Amos that he had yeah yeah Amos 3 3 if you uh, if you care to look there in your Bibles very quickly it's gonna it's gonna show also show us another important principle about uh, the reality of marriage Amos chapter 3 verse 3 simply says how can two walk together unless they are in agreement let me see if I can read it in the King James here yes can two walk together except they be agreed so there is an, uh, an element to coming into agreement if we're going to have a successful marriage, right? Because in the Bible, God says the two shall become one flesh. So we have to be able, if we're going to walk together and be in agreement in that way, well, according to this, that, that is the foundation of our being able to walk together. So being in agreement is, is actually a huge thing. And, and Why don't you go ahead with the next section? Yep, and then the other part was in Psalms 84, um, where it talks about how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs and even yearns for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing to living God. The bird has also found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, may the king and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They're ever praising you. How blessed is a man whose strength is in you, whose heart is in the highways of Zion. And just how, again, Where's your highway going? Where's your path going? Is it going towards Amen. the Lord? Is it going towards your spouse? Or is it going other places? Because God, you know, in his plan, wants you to work with him and then with each other. And just how easily it is to go off that path. Yeah, yeah. Amen. And uh, John Paul Jackson once said this at one of the Holy Spirit conferences that we had here in the Twin Cities. He said it this way. You're supposed to be on the path of righteousness, which according to that proverb, shines ever brighter toward the full light of day. So if your if your path if there if your path that you're walking on is not leading you unto greater and greater brightness, you got off the path somewhere. And that can happen in marriage. Mm -hmm. You can get off the path and you can begin to you can begin to see that light that God has placed within you and your spouse to begin to diminish and that's a sign to you that something went wrong. You've got to get back to the path so that you can continue to shine brighter and brighter and brighter until the full light of day. So wh where is all this leading? Where is it all going? Well, um, as we mentioned a moment ago, th there's, there's a calling that God has on each one of our lives. And it's an important thing that the God has in entrusted you with that calling. And so it's important to be able to see yourself yoked with somebody who also is in agreement with you on the calling that you have. One of the things that attracted me to my wife right away, <laughs> among a lot of other things, but this was one of the most important things to me, okay? This was one of the most important things to me, was that I wanted her to be a person that could support me in the calling that God had put upon my life. Because I'd been in a relationship previously where that had not been the case. And so I was burned by that. I knew, I said, I said, God, I've got to get this right. This is an important foundation. I can't turn aside from what you've called me to do and so somehow, whoever that is that I wind up getting married to, that's got to be a, a person that is going to be in agreement with me on the calling. Otherwise, how can we walk together? Amen? So, so I that was really important. So I began to tell Sarah some stories, and I just began to give her my, my craziest God stories that I could think of in my testimony to try to, try to shake her a little bit. Hey, what do you think about this? You know, <laughs> just, just to see if it scared her. Oh, that's kind of freaky. <laughs> you know, and see if it would make her nervous. And if it did, that would be a sign to me. This was the wrong tree <laughs> so 
So, and, but she really responded well. She said, oh, well, what do you think of this? And she began to give me her t- some of her testimony. I said, oh, my goodness. She's got some God stories. So, so I knew this was going to be able to work out. I knew, well, I didn't know, but the Lord knew. Turn, turn to your Bibles now to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to say a little bit more about calling. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the 10th verse. I'll turn there with you. Let's see who gets there first. Whose fingers are nimble enough? Oh, I am the weakest link. There we go. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, whose? His. his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So God has very specific things that you are supposed to be doing in your life that he wants you to fulfill. And these aren't random things. These aren't arbitrary things. These are very specific things that God has put into your life that he wants you to fulfill and to accomplish. And at some point in our lives, we have a responsibility to learn what that is. Mm -hmm. The will of God is not vague and arbitrary. It's something that he is very specific about. He's had a picture, a plan in his own heart of what those works look like, and he wants you to fulfill them. Ephesians, later on in the book of Ephesians, it says, find out what the will of the Lord is. Mm -hmm. Don't be vague on that point. Know what it is. You're commanded to know what the will of the Lord is. But he says here that there's, there's specific works that he has called you to. Okay? And if you look in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, not only does he have the works that you're supposed to do, but he has the plan for how you're to fulfill it. Because he says, he says I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. So he's got the works and he's got the plans that tell you how the works are supposed to be executed. So that's a very specific thing. Yep. It's a very, sh- very sharp assignment there that God <laughs> gives to us. Very true. So we want to be able to carry that out as couples together. Yep. And, and so your spouse should be somebody that you can share that with. Yep. You want to be walking in unity on these things. So go ahead, honey, take, take it away at this point. <laughs> so part of my gift is um, my vision is to manifest God's predestined purpose found in each individual's heart. And so part of my desire, and (laughs) Katie and I work together, I'm a volunteer coordinator, and one of the things that I love to see is people, kind of like you, Paul, seeing God's people in their destiny. And that's where God will look at our lives and see, okay, what are you called to do, and did you do it? So I think sometimes we look at people and say, oh, they're up front, I need to be like that to be fulfilled or to please the Lord, and that's not it at all. It's more saying, okay, God, am I called to this? And if I'm called to this, there's going to be fulfillment and joy. It could be serving and food and um, serving food. It could be watching kids. Whatever that is, you'll find great fulfillment in that. And in addition to that, in marriage, Hallelujah. you look at, okay, what do we do better together? And so I know, for example, Dave and Lisa, they're really good at hospitality. If you go over to their house and Amen. eat food at their house, they're Gift. very gifted at that. Mm-hmm. And so you look as a couple, what are we really good at? Now, individually, that might look differently, but also as a couple, how can you minister together? Maybe it's prayer ministry. Maybe it's deliverance. Maybe it's, you know, small group. Whatever that looks like, what do you do better together? And then that's in addition to about you that are single. What do you do that no one else can do? What do you do well? And if you don't know, I suggest get out and volunteer. A lot of times it's just practicing. 
Because if you don't know what you're good at, try a bunch of different things. Ask somebody and say, am I good at this? And let them be honest with you. Because I think sometimes we try to fulfill something. And again, it's an idol where we think, oh, if I'm only this way, if I only did that, if I was only like this person, and it's not going to turn out good in the end at all. No, no. And so um, just asking those questions with the Holy Spirit, asking people that are more mature in the Lord, and just ask them, hey, what do you see me doing? Do I do this well? And if not, reevaluate. It's far better to do that before you stand before God because he's going right. to look and say, okay, I actually called you to be a lawyer, not a teacher. I called you to work oh. with children, not in the banking industry. And so if we start seeing it in that way and asking, asking the Lord and asking people that maybe have dream-releasing gifts, it's going to fulfill you so yeah. much more. And this is a really excellent place, actually, to plug the Harvest Project because you really want to know what you're called to do, ideally, before you begin to enter into a relationship that is leading towards marriage. You want to know very clearly what that looks like because that plan has got to manifest in your life. The Lord has got an investment in you. He wants to see it fulfilled. So did you have anything more to say about that, honey? Nope. Okay. Okay, good. So, so we, we've got that point, this idea that we're supposed to complement one another and we're supposed to live in this unity. But sometimes one of the things that begins to happen in marriage, and this is a very easy thing to actually see happen, is, is that people tend to begin to look to each other and draw life from one another. And it's, it's kind of like Jack Frost has said it this way. It's kind of like two ticks and no dog. It's two people trying to get life. They're trying because the life is in the blood. Amen. Okay. Are you following me? Some of you are smiling. That's good. It's connecting. So, so they, they try to get life from one another, and there's, there's no other source that they're drawing life from, and they're just, they're, they got eight you know, legs or six legs. They're just kind of all over each other, and they're not getting anything. They're, they're just drawing no life. And so really what we need to understand from the get-go is, is that, that um, a relationship between a man and a woman, it's got to be two whole people, two whole and complete people, coming together, not for the purpose of seeing the other person fulfill them, but for the purpose of dying to self and living in a more deep way in the Christian walk. Turning your Bibles, if you would, to, uh, to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to read a very familiar verses, a verse to many of you. <laughs> yep. Let's see who gets there. You might beat me again. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to... <coughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, somebody with an iPhone just beat me. Okay. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus says, and this is something that is meant to apply to all disciples. He says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man, say any man, Amen. will come after me. Everybody say after me. Let him deny himself. Fulfill himself? No. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What is this? This is the call to the crosswalk. Amen? This is the call to come and die. This is not being talked about much in church these days. John 3.16, say this magic prayer. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're done. No. <laughs> You got the wrong answer. You fail. This is, where, this is where it really starts. That prayer is important, but if it doesn't lead to this, something's wrong. 
you got an incomplete gospel preached to you. Because the reality is, is that you and I are called to die to ourselves, deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow after Jesus, set our back against the world and our face toward the kingdom of heaven and go for it with him. And it takes dying to yourself. And so that's the way that you're going to find fulfillment in marriage. That's going to be the way that you're going to tap into the love of God in the context of your marriage. Sometimes when I look to my wife to be the, the primary source, source of my fulfillment, that can happen anytime. Mm -hmm. The Lord has to rebuke me. What are you doing, Ben? Yeah. You are absolutely crippling the spiritual atmosphere of your marriage right now. Mm -hmm. God can't dwell in the midst of you if you're looking to get all the life and meaning and purpose that you're supposed to get from God mm -hmm. from one another. It yeah. just doesn't work. And so we want to be understand that that's the case. And this is the last, last thing I'll say about this point that actually the, the concept of sanctification figures deeply in the original Hebrew understanding of what a marriage was to look like. In fact, I believe, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm getting this right, Paul. You'll have to correct me if I'm getting it incorrect. But actually, okay, thank you. Thank you, I appreciate that. Because I know we're going to need that here right now. I, I, I'm not sure about this point, but I'll, I'll go ahead and risk it. And that is, is that actually the, the one of the Hebrew words that's used for marriage is the word sanctification. Is that true? Don't you don't know. It sounded, it sounded, it sounded, somebody who was an expert who told me, I, I don't know, I seem to have memory of that. You know how you become a repository for all the things that people tell you? Oh. Yes. <laughs> That's a tough one. Come next week. Oh. If you've got the, the correct interpretation of that verse, you get a gold star. Because <laughs> that's a toughie. We oh, talked about that one in seminary. How do you understand that? Yeah, it was a tough one. But um, So you're looking towards becoming progressively more and more whole and holy, which are really the same thing. Mm -hmm. With that said. Well, just to close up with the journey part where um, I read something and they're saying the consistency of the journey doesn't mean that you're doing it that you'll do it perfectly and just how there's a difference between and the journey stumbling and falling and sometimes in life if you're not looking down you know you might stumble but then there's a difference between falling I think falling more often happens when we're not intentional or not even in community and so it's so important in marriage to be vulnerable and real and to catch sins early on and so if you know you have problems with money, if you have problems That's with right. where your eyes go, if you have problems with whatever, yep. those things can get bigger and bigger. And especially in marriage and once you have kids, that greatly impacts your legacy and your heritage and just Absolutely. how important it is to be vulnerable and repentant and to be honest about where you And that's key to sanctification. Up. That's part of the crosswalk. Mm -hmm. That when, you, when you're growing, you're going to sometimes collapse and, and fall and, and mess up. Mm -hmm. And so in that process, we're, we're not going to do it perfectly like you've written here, honey. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to stumble. We may fall, but we've got to be. The, the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times and yet gets up. He gets up. He rises again. He doesn't stay in that place, but he keeps going because mm -hmm. we're to be a people marked by persistence. So is that all you had on that point, sweetie? Yep. Okay. All right, so with that said, um, we're, we're going to talk a little bit now about roles in relationship, roles in married relationship, and this applies to you if you're single. It applies to you if you're married. Uh, but these are things that we really are, again, losing sight of right now in our culture. 
But if we love each other in marriages, understanding that these roles have been assigned by God, they're not just good ideas or concepts, they're God-given um, identity uh, aspects to, to the, the way that we've been woven together as human beings in the image of God. And this is part of the way that we bear God's image. If we can appreciate it from that perspective, then we're less liable to try to do damage and harm to one another in, in the midst of fights, um, trying, trying to make each other meet our needs. Um, so let, let's talk about some of what those specific roles might be. What's a, what's a wife like, honey? What does a wife do? She establishes the home. She encourages and nurtures. Yep. Yeah. And what does a husband do? Oh, here's what a, here's what a husband's supposed to be doing. <laughs> a husband is supposed to be the, the, the head of the relationship. I would, if I were to have you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, you'd see this reality. The husband is supposed to be uh, the spiritual leader of that family. And they're supposed to be the person that has the primary responsibility, I believe, in providing provision, which would include monetary provision for the family. They're supposed to be the person that is laying down their life primarily. But husbands are supposed to be the ones that are dying to themselves um, so that the wife can, can see an example of, what, of what, a, what it truly means to walk with God. So there is a high calling within the office of husband. We're supposed to be also caregivers to our children. We're supposed to be training up our children alongside of our wives. And um, this was something that actually was a, a point of disagreement with, with Sarah and I for some time, I would say. We really, really struggled in this, and we went back and forth on it. Um, it actually produced some bad fruit in our marriage. And, um, and then we, we got heard about this book. It was called Choosing to Cheat. It's a book by Andy Stanley. And we began to read it out loud together. And this was one of those ouch books uh, for me. Um, but I'll go ahead and uh, have Sarah begin to read to you um, something that Andy Stanley wrote. He's the son of Charles Stanley mm -hmm. on, on what happens when we begin to allow those roles to become unclear mm -hmm. and what happens as uh, and what is the damage? What does it look like? So go ahead, honey. And this can also look similarly in relationships with friends, too, where um, in Galatians it says, be careful that, you know, when you have a burden that you don't give someone else that same burden because you could stumble in it and so um, I know in first Corinthians 13 it says love bears all things but sometimes it's beyond where you're supposed to bear and I don't think we address that I think sometimes we get burdens and yes the Lord wants to make us stronger but sometimes it's just not okay and so I'm going to read this really brief story and then we'll wrap it up Use your imaginations for a moment. Imagine that your best friend walks up to you or your spouse in, in your front yard on a Sunday and asks you to do him a favor. You have some free time, and so you oblige. He walks over to his car, pops the trunk, and produces a 30-pound rock. Now, here's where you're going to have to use your imagination. Hmm. At this point, he hands you the rock and says, I really need you to stand here with this rock until I return. He explains why it is important and that you stand in one spot with the rock so that he'll return shortly and retrieve it. It is strange request and his explanation doesn't make a lot of sense, but this is something you trust. So you this is someone you trust, so you agree. At this point, he thanks you profusely and he hops into his car and drives away. An hour goes by. Uh -oh. And what started out as a feasible fa favor is beginning to get a little hard. After all, this is your best friend, so you stick it out and you stand there. Another hour goes by, and your arms are starting to ache. Everything in, your, and everything in you wants to sit down, but you made a promise. Then suddenly, to your relief, 
Your friend pulls into a driveway, jumps out of the car, and runs in your direction. So you are relieved. You weren't, if you weren't holding the rock, you'd hug him, but your joy is quickly is extinguished. Instead of relieving you in your burden, he says, look, I told you I was coming back. I was delayed. Here's the deal. I need to run one more quick errand. If you keep holding the rock, I will make it up to you when I return. Oh. Once again, you trust that what you're told is true. If this friend needs to run one more errand before relieving you, that's just the way it is. So you agree. As he turns to go, you can't help but blurt out, please hurry. Huh. Off your friend goes, and there you stand. Another hour goes by. The sun begins to set. Your muscles are screaming at you to drop the rock, but you refuse to give in. You're committed to holding up the part of the bargain. Besides, your friend said that he would make it up to you. You aren't sure what th that means, but it must be something good. 30 minutes later, the car pulls up in the driveway, but someone you don't know is driving. This person walks over and almost in a whisper informs you that your friend has been delayed. Would you mind holding a rock just a little while longer, he asks. The expression on your face is mixed with pain and anger. You manage to mutter, whatever, just tell him to hurry. Away the person goes, and there you stand. It is dark now. The street is empty. The neighbors are huddling in their windows watching you stand there, wondering why you'd put up with someone treating you like that and why they're your friend. Another hour goes by. You begin to lose your grip. Your arms begin to fall. You tell someone to hold on, but your body just won't respond. Down goes the rock. And just as it hits the pavement and disintegrates into a hundred pieces, your friend pulls up in the driveway. He jumps out of the car and runs over with a look of panic on his face and says, what happened? Did it slip? Did someone knock it out of your hands? Did you change your mind? And as he looked for an explanation as why you suddenly dropped the rock, you know that it was a long time in coming. Mm. So the point of that illustration is pretty clear. Just to make sure that it is clear in our minds, there are certain roles that God has given to men, and there are certain roles that God has given to women. And for a time, I didn't understand or respect that as, as in the way that I understand it now. And that caused some damage to come into my relationship with Sarah. Wound up wounding her because she was carrying something that was too heavy for her to bear. And a lot of times, here's the thing, just like the person in the story, well, it's hard for Sarah to say no because she loves me. She married me, and she really cares about me. She wants to see me being fulfilled and finding enjoyment in life. She derives pleasure from that, and so she's naturally inclined from the get-go to simply say, sure, no problem, I'll do that. And then over time, the weight that she's carrying that's intended for my shoulders, not hers, begins to become increasingly heavy. She begins to have a harder and harder time to hang on to that thing. Then there's a breaking point in the relationship. Something shatters, something breaks. It happens typically because she's in a place where she's no longer able to handle the burden that I've relinquished to her. And so when that happens, our relationship begins to suffer and fall apart and that's what happened to us. We, we, came, we, we, uh, we came in a, a moment in our relationship when, when uh, this breaking kind of happened. As a, as a young man going through college, uh, I, I, when I first became a Christian, I really wanted to, to 
have a, a God-honoring life. I wanted to be able to serve the Lord. I was very zealous, very passionate for the things of the kingdom. And I began to pursue the Lord and wound up, to make a very long story short, about six years later, coming here to the, to the Twin Cities area back in 2005 or so. And I uh, went to the Master's Institute Seminary, began to run hard after that, um, just promised the Lord, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll divest myself of my entire savings account to get through seminary, Lord. Since this is your call in my life, you have said get wisdom, get understanding that what costs all you have, get it. And so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to take that seriously. I'm going to really get something out of my studies here. And so I was going through the courses. By the time I got to my final year, I was launching a citywide intercessory ministry in conjunction with six other citywide intercession ministries. I was a, a part-time pastor at actually Bob and Linda Ryan's church, which would, what it used to be, the Fellowship Hall. So I was preaching, teaching, and worship leading there. I was a student, so I was doing about maybe 50 to 70 hours typically a week uh, in my studies and classwork at the Master's Institute, sometimes spending 12 hours at a time in, down at Bethel Seminary Library. Um, I was also finishing up my bachelor's degree at the same time. So I was taking, I, I mean, this is a lot of work. And dating, me. and dating her and planning a marriage. And I thought, this is the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. So I graduated from seminary and proceeded to assume that that would continue to be my regular routine in life. And that Sarah would just kind of come along for the ride. Well, guess what she said? Yeah. Yes. At first she said yes. She did, she did eventually say, no, that's true. <laughs> but she said yes at first because she loves me. She's like, yes, let's do it. And it did not work. And that, that weight grew heavier and heavier and heavier because there were all kinds of responsibilities that I was having to tend to at home, which I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. um, so then, I, I guess, do you want to talk about the verse that kind of broke us initially? Maybe you could. Me? Me? Okay. Well, Sarah had brought up Deuteronomy chapter 25. Uh, that uh, I believe it's the first, first one or two, three verses in that chapter where it talks about how if a man is going to be Oh, um, yeah. uh, a man of service in the military that if he is in his first year of marriage he shall not go out to the field but he shall stay at home one year to be happy with his wife and so mm -hmm. that kind of really came up in conversation quite a bit mm -hmm. between us probably for about eight months um, and then things because I've learned that there's parts of our heart that don't want to surrender <laughs> and yeah. the whole idea of the Andy Stanley part is um, sometimes our excuses to surrender can injure those who love us. Yeah. That can be whatever. And um, there's some burdens as well that only God is supposed to carry and that that spouse cannot handle or even friends. Not that we're not supposed to be vulnerable. We need to be vulnerable to each other. But if I'm expecting Ben to all of a sudden, hey, fix this. Now there's times when that is something that God has laid on his heart, and he's really supposed to fulfill that because we are vulnerable to each other. But at the same time, there's burdens that are beyond that only God can carry. Yeah. And so basically, yes, he did the citywide prayer altar, and so then for a little while he didn't do any ministry, but there was something in him that still wasn't dead. He oh. still wanted to do more. And so whatever would come up, you know, that would just be fulfilled in another opportunity. And so um, I would say it wasn't until literally this past January that he kind of realized, wait a second, 
you're coming and, and continue asking me to spend time in, in marriage, not because you're trying to come against my calling, you're actually trying to make it stronger. Yeah. And so as we as um, the two of us started to go before the Lord and and the verse of the Lord gave me is the Lord is not slow concerning his promises, as some understand slowness, but he's patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. And so I kept praying that over our marriage. So there was big things that he needed as the leader to really go down hard, that Mm -hmm. he needed to go on his face and be broken before the Lord because I couldn't do that. I couldn't fulfill his role as the head. I couldn't lead in the way that he's meant to lead, but I could pray. And so God got him good. <laughs> and um, but then he got me too. Cuz I had issues too. Surprisingly, we all do. And um, <laughs> so no matter what, even if he's going to get your spouse, <laughs> he's going to also go after you and say, "Okay, you have fear here." And so we both had to acknowledge our fears. And so for me, I needed to believe, hey, God, you're going to provide. And so I've been keeping a log of how God's providing, being a missionary and doing support raising. If you have a fear of God providing, it's probably one of the worst things you can do. Don't do that. Yeah, he'll test you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, I think that really the... What it was for us that really came to a breaking point is, is that we were really fighting with each other and trying to come into agreement with each other about what our life patterns and our you know corporate workload together would be in ministry and serving others serving the bodies you know seeking to see lost people saved that there was there was something that we were trying to argue out with one another and it finally came to a breaking point we both put down our weapons and said lord how do you want us to solve this problem and when we said to god we will do whatever you tell us to do, even if it's something that I don't want to do. Or, and then she said, if it's something that I don't want to do, we both came in agreement and said, we will do whatever you say, Lord. And then, boom, we got a prophetic dream that night. Mm-hmm. Woke up the next morning. I told her what it was. It pointed out issues in both of us. Then another, another two nights later, she had a dream. I had a dream. We had, we had sometimes five dreams between the two of us in one week that of ways in which the Lord was speaking. This is out of context right now here in your your relationship. This is out of whack. How many of you understand that when there's something wrong with the way that you're living your life, God can't speak into your destiny. He's got to speak into your rebellion. Why? Because covenant is the key to the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Amen? So if you're violating covenant, he's not going to talk to you about your kingdom responsibilities. He wants you to talk about the issues that are out of whack in your covenant relationship with him and other people. So so he couldn't, he couldn't speak into our lives about our destiny because there's so many things that were totally out of whack. Mm-hmm. And so he began bringing these corrections in the form of these, these dreams that came. We were just kind of waking up, exp- well, you probably had a dream last night. <laughs> what was it? You know, and the Lord would come and tell us what was wrong. Why, why were things not working? And a lot of it was really painful for me personally, like very convicting. I began to realize I've not been loving my, my wife. I've not been serving her in the way that God wants me to serve. You know, if you remember back to the verse that we started out with, Genesis 1.27, what does it say? That he created man in his image in order that he might have dominion over the earth. The ministry is dominion. But to the degree that you're not living out the image of God, you cannot take dominion. You can't do it. So that was, that was John Melende brought that point once at a conference, and it just blew me away. And it's exactly what we were going through. And so um, the, the right order to things is so critical. Let's, let's wrap this up.
Well, one of the things just during worship that I just want to honor the different marriages that I see in this room and just individuals, because each of you being here bring a certain presence. And I just really appreciate each and every one of you and what you bring. And it's really it's fun to get to know each of you. And so um, whatever burdens you have, <laughs> um, the Lord wants to remove those so that you can be more who he's called you to be, whether that's in marriage or individually. And um, only mm. God can really expose what that stronghold is. And you might be surprised and to just yeah. be honest before him because he wants to transform you. And just like he is doing that in all of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so with with that said, uh, just a few marriages that we do want on, we just see a lot going on and. Mike and Susan just, obviously, Bob and Linda Ryan, others here that are just, uh, actually, some some are missing this week, actually. Mm -hmm. Other marriages in our midst that are really, like, living out that kingdom calling, understanding what does that look like in the context of a marriage. I want to just exhort those of you that are younger people in college to really seek out what you have here in 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 the way of godly mentorship to give you counsel because it, it, you don't want to go blindly into these situations. You could literally wind up going astray and walking in a wrong direction as it comes to relationship and really seeking, especially if you're starting to think about a relationship, think about Paul Anderson's suggestion. Why don't you come to Karen and him? Said, Paul, you, pr you probably, why don't you come up here at this point and even just um, <laughs> kind of wrap this up. <laughs> but if you're thinking about a getting into a relationship that looks like it's going towards marriage, it looks like a context where that agape love can get played out in a, a relationship in a healthy way. Think about what you have here and take advantage of it. We can count 16 of them now. They're in process. And when I, when I first made that recommendation at couple see us there was a guy sitting at the end way back in the back he just said why would we do that why why would we come to you i said because we haven't done it right most of us have stories of, of broken relationships and so let's see if we can work together to make it right and thank you you were vulnerable you uh you know it, what if you had been up here as a married couple would you have shared with that kind of vulnerability so thank you for sharing the things that worked and the things that didn't work why don't we bless uh, the couples that are uh, among us tonight those who uh, today those who are married and uh, we got a few that are heading in that direction and then we've got others that that hope to be and we're praying with you we pray for that a lot for God to uh, bring connections with men and women so we thank you father for marriage we thank you for the idea of it we thank you for making it real among us we thank you for those who are husband and wife and are loving one another we thank you for husbands who who love their wives uh, approaching the way that christ loves the church we thank you for wives who who are uh wonderful partners and walking together with their husbands and make a great team we thank you for those among us who are uh, moving in that direction. We bless that. We bless uh, Jacob and uh, Maggie as they move toward a September wedding. I'm looking for others. And uh, 
So we, we bless them. We bless uh, single people here and the plans that you have for them. We pray that you would give them uh, <coughs> the, the ability to trust in you. We know it's hard sometimes. We know it's difficult. But we put our trust in you for our life in Christ. And <coughs> I want to put my blessing now on all of you with the blessing that comes out of the Old Testament that Moses gave to Aaron to bless God's people and put his name on them. So I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor, grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.